Right to be read podcast, episode number 51. Interview with Varnush Brock. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Before I start, I would like to wish happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's celebrating that holiday. And uh, I, in my turn, am thankful for all my listeners and for all those who have left reviews on the podcast and who have subscribed to Write to be Read. Thank you enormously. I truly appreciate you all. And uh, I hope you're going to have a very nice family holiday today. Today, I have a very special guest in my show. Her name is Farnoosh Brock. I've been following her online since a few years already. And for those who don't know her, uh, Farnoosh is an inspiring online entrepreneur. She quit her six-figure job and um, now is the passionate founder and president of The Prolific Living. She has also been published by a major publishing house and actually it's been done twice. So I'm really honored to have you on my show, Farnoosh. Welcome to The Right to be Read and thank you for coming over. Thank you for the warm inter um, introduction, Ani. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, so, uh, Farnoosh, I know uh, a bit, uh, since I followed you online, I know a bit about your life story and about the major changes you overcame and that you finally got to the place you wanted to be at. Um, so, it all started by quitting your six-figure job. Can you tell us how did you decide to do that and why? Sure. It actually started before that. Uh, that was sort of like the climax, but um, I, um, I had a long corporate career or it felt long. It was 11 plus years, uh, just under 12 years. And um, I never, ever thought of myself as a writer, much less an author. So just to give you inspiration that uh, things can turn around and they don't have to turn around when you're 20 or 30. They can turn around when you're later in life. So I started getting really frustrated and uh, became very unfulfilled in my job. And I had a very nice job, worked for a great company, lots of bonus and, and perks and stock options and just all the things you can imagine for a perfect dream corporate job. And I was unhappy. I was just looking for something that would fulfill me. So I was looking for distractions to keep me busy because I never thought I could quit and do something else that just wasn't for me, right? So I started all these other distractions and one of them was blogging. Mm -hmm. And somehow blogging started to really take off for me. And I think that the one reason this happened is because I was passionate about writing. And to me, blogging is a creative style of writing because it's not technical writing, which is what I was doing at work uh, for one of my jobs. It's not, uh, you know, instructional writing where you're, you know, at school, you're doing an assignment. It's writing whatever it is you want. And that was a freedom I had never explored, much less in a public way where you actually share that writing with people. You let them read it and then they react to it. So it was just a just a wonderful experience. And again, it was just a hobby for a number of years. But uh, my blog started to grow. And as my blog started to grow, I became more and more interested in blogging and writing for other blogs and growing my blog and, and less and less interested in my corporate job over here. Mm -hmm. And it was just this dichotomy that was happening. And it was really hard. I didn't know what to do. And then there were different points in time where um, things, major events happened happened that led me to quit my job. One of them was Blog World, which is now called a New Media Expo. Back in 2010, uh, it was an event in Las Vegas. And I am really grateful that my husband made me go because I didn't even think of myself as a blogger worthy enough to go to a conference. So that's mm -hmm. where I started. And I had made a lot of friends online. So he just, he just said, look, you can go meet all your friends. And I made some really amazing friendships there that have become my lifelong friends now. And these are other bloggers. But at that conference, I saw people who have turned their online blog into a full-time business. And something clicked for me. I had this, this, this shift that 
something, maybe this is something I can do someday down the road, okay? So this is October 2010. And I come home and I start to take my blog and my business really seriously. In fact, I started to look at it instead of a hobby. I started to look at it as a business, Mm -hmm. just a shift in perspective, right? And I started to just do things differently. I started to launch my first newsletter. I started to think about my next product. I wrote my first book, which was a writing manifesto of all things, which, um, you know, was just something I was giving away to my readers. And incidentally, that did not do well because people were coming to my blog for personal development, which was a lesson in itself. But I loved writing. So I thought, well, doesn't everyone love writing? Mm -hmm. So so the things you learn along the way. But um, fast forward to March, uh, to answer your question, uh, I was put on a project at work that I really didn't want to do. And a few years earlier, I would have said, no big deal. I would have just done it. But I decided to ask for something different. And um, it became sort of a conflict at work. They didn't want to uh, entertain my thoughts to do another project. And so I just it was just so clear to me that this is it. I don't want to spend another day doing something that is making me so unhappy, so unhappy. And um, and to just give you a little more, I am very much financially conservative, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a risk taker. Oh, I don't need the money. I'm, I'm going to become a minimalist and live in a refrigerator box and, and go and write for a living. That's not me. No, there are people like that and, and good for them. But I have a beautiful house. I, I travel first class. I love my life. And, and I love money. So to give that up was really uh, a step of uh, emotional maturity for me because I realized what's really important to me. And I also decided that I'm giving up a six-figure job so I can create real wealth with my business. So mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking I'm giving up the job so I can be poor, but I can be happy. Nothing like that. And I I really believe the only way you can really have true wealth and sustain it and be in control of it is if you're running your own business or businesses. So that was uh, March 2011. I resigned in May. And um, it's been, you know, it's been an interesting journey. It's been wonderful. But it was one of the hardest things I've ever done to build my business. And then um, later in 2012, two years ago, exactly, I hired my husband to come on board with me and we are running our businesses full time now. And it's been just a wonderful journey. That's amazing. That's just, you know, um, it it requires a lot of courage. And uh, it also kind of it's amazing to have this opportunity to do what you love, and to make money out of it, and also to do it with the person you love, because uh, you you share additional interests and additional things together, which kind of I think it bonds you together even more. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I understand that it's it's like, it's been a really exciting journey for you I, I I'm seeing your photos from different travels together and you know I can see how happy you both are <laughs> well there is there is a lot of you know other things going on behind the scenes too it's been but but you're right I mean it's wonderful to work with your husband but uh, there is a learning curve and um, it takes your relationship much much deeper and there are times when we when we are very much in disagreement when we have had arguments when we don't agree on the business when I have had to learn that I'm not the boss that Uh I'm not the manager and um, that he will quit if I don't you know (laughs) if we don't see eye to eye so it's been actually really really good for us to go this deep into our relationship so it is work but it's amazing um, that uh, you can actually do a lot with your significant other with your life partner so so yeah it's been good so when you when you just quit in the very beginning, I mean, I can presume that the journey wasn't really that smooth and flowery and everything was not really that great in the from the very start and from the very beginning. So how did you feel? Uh, did you uh, have uh, challenges? What kind of challenges did you have? Did you at some point think that maybe you didn't do the right thing? Uh, how was like your emotional journey in the beginning? In the beginning, right. So... It's been now three and a half years. And I can tell you, at the beginning, I identified with my job. It was my identity. My company was my identity, my corporate job. And I can tell you that not a minute 
of these three years? Have I regretted my decision? Have I missed anything, anything at all? I have almost forgotten that I, I was a part of a corporation. I mean, this is so the right thing for me. So there has never been that looking back and thinking I should have stayed ever. Not for me. I'm not saying this is always the, the, the right thing for you. But but for me, I knew it was the right decision. And that's why I quit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the journey itself. So there is leaving where you are miserable. Then there is arriving then to, to the next place. And that has been very difficult. I mean, I have... I, I love creating products and programs and writing books. So even before the publishing deal came to us in November 2012, I was self-publishing my own books. And um, and then I was creating my own products. Um, I have a product on uh, energy, increasing your energy with breathing and yoga, 10 minutes a day. I have a green juicing clinic. I have a small green juicing guide. I have, you know, my my program to help entrepreneurs leave corporate, so many. So I love creating those. And I can tell you, I I had products that didn't do well. In fact, I didn't even mention it. But the first product I did, I was really in love with it myself. I poured my heart and soul and I invested money. I got a coach, a designer, and it didn't do well at all. And it was really hard to come to terms with that. And that's so necessary. It has to happen. You have to fail. You have to fail and to deal with it and to learn from it and to see that it's part of the process. You don't just quit something you don't love and jump to a series of successes. It does not happen that way for anyone. So if that's the story you believe, you are believing a fairy tale Mm -hmm. and you are not doing yourself a favor because everyone that you admire, everyone has had struggles. Sometimes they choose to share it. Sometimes they keep it private. So I'm happy to tell you the things that didn't work out well and emotional place. I was in a, in a sort of a roller coaster. I would have some highs and I would have a lot of lows. And at the time I was alone at home because my husband was going to work. So I, it was a shift from moving out of this organization structure uh, in a company. Again, I didn't regret it, but it was a shift to being very much on your own. And as a writer, blogger, online marketer, online entrepreneur, it is a lonely prospect. It is a lonely journey. So you have to create opportunities to connect. It's not enough to just be on social media. You need to be part of a group, a program, a mastermind, support communities, what have you, because that really helps you. So it was hard. I had a lot of lows. I didn't always know how to deal with them. I have to say that the one thing that really got me through was the support of my husband because he believed in me more than I believed in myself at the time. And um, I, I had to really, you know, he was, he was my life coach. I would really, really share with him just how much I didn't know what I was doing, what is the next thing, and we would figure it out together. Maybe I need to learn this or, or hire someone to help me or get a coach or go into this program. And, um, and another mistake I made, which is something I teach my clients now and students that, that enroll into my course, people at the beginning of their journey, is that th- when you see online entrepreneurs, writers, bloggers, they, um, they may have figured it out all, all themselves, but the people who are really successful, they get help. Mm-hmm. They hire mentors, they hire coaches, they invest in themselves, they put money on the table. Just like if you were to go open a coffee shop, you have to invest in a, in a coffee machine, in, a, in, a, you know, in a, everything that your shop needs. People are under the impression that if you're just opening a website or, or a, you know, your own business, you don't need to do that. And that's, that's such a self-sabotage because you're only delaying your own success. So you need to be comfortable. I'm not saying go throw money at every program out there. Some of them are not very good. A lot of them are not right for you. You need to figure out what's right for you. But the idea of I'm going to figure it all out on my own. Let's say you're writing a novel, right? This is something I'm playing with, this crazy idea, writing fiction. Well, there are people who are able to teach you how to do it because there's a system, there's a method, there are techniques you can learn. And you don't just learn that by writing, reading a book, mm-hmm. although there's some great books out there. You learn that by really spending time. So be willing to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. Totally agree. Because uh, there are so many things that you 
can't really figure out yourself. It's always nice to have someone who has figured it out uh, at some point and can give you already, you know, what you really need. And you can save lots of time with this as well. And you can reach where you want to be earlier because you invested at some point and you got the help and the knowledge from someone who knew what he was talking about. Right, 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 right. And you can also save money. So people don't think of it that way. But if you pay someone to to help you avoid mistakes that would have cost you a lot of money, you are saving money. Yeah. And if you pay someone that helps you sell a thousand more copies of your book in a month and it would have taken you two years, you are saving money and making money. So investing isn't just because you tell someone you're investing and, and you're cool and smart. It's because it works and it gets you ahead. So it's um it but it's hard to to know this intellectually and then to emotionally be ready to do it. There are two different things and you need to kind of travel that road yeah. and get there. Well, you used a very right word, investment. Many many think of it at, as expenditure, but it's actually yes. an investment. So that, that's the biggest difference in, in mind shift that people have to go through. It's not something you're just spending and it's gone. It's an investment which later on brings you returns. Exactly. Okay, so and when was the point when you realized that this is actually working? I'm 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 close to where I want to be. I'm almost there. It's it's really getting how I want it to be. Hmm. You know, Ani, I I don't feel I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> My husband has to remind me, but look how for you have come. And I, I am, you know, I'm over here trying to build my little empire. And I think, well, but look at Oprah, look at, (laughs) so, you know, and it's not like I'm comparing. It's just, I'm so inspired by how far I can take this dream that I forget to stop and celebrate. So I think that when I launched my smart exit blueprint course, so by then this is, uh, Um, let's see, it's 2011 still, it's September 2011. So it's six months after I quit. I launched the course that to this day has been one of my most profitable uh, programs and has helped so many people quit their jobs, start their businesses, uh, or just, you know, take their side hustles to the next level. I call this the side hustle. Like you're hustling after something, whether it's writing a book or whatever else you are doing on the side besides your job. So I felt this was not a resource that was out there. I had no idea how to come out of the cubicle world and become an entrepreneur. You know, people talk about, oh, starting a business, you do this and this. But to go into the mind of a person who is a corporate employee, which was me, and to tell them that, that is like speaking Greek to them. It doesn't make sense. It's not where they have been. It's not... They don't know how to make the jump, how to how to just take even the first step. So I wanted to create a program that really resonates with the person who wasn't born an entrepreneur. They don't have entrepreneur parents. They have parents who are begging them to stay in their jobs. And they have a dream. They have another future in mind. And it's just a clash between that and their reality. And so I wanted to Hold the hand of that person. And so when I launched that program, I offered it live early in 2012. I only had five students, but I just bent over backwards for them. And that was the beginning. And then I had doubled the students and I doubled the program price or tripled it because I started out really cheap. And then since then, I've I've opened it as an evergreen course, but we still do a lot of community support together and it's grown and it's become just one of the best things. So when that started to move forward and I started working with people both in group coaching, which I was doing for the program and private coaching, I started to feel that I'm doing something that I was meant to do. So beyond the blog, beyond the, the, the other products and programs I had put out there, that was the first turning point where I felt like I was doing, I was really serving, I was really helping, and I was really making some some decent money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 gratifying, isn't it? To to yeah. kind of to also see the financial results coming. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is, and it's and it's hard to believe it when it doesn't. Very hard, 
But um, if this is what you want to do, you can make it happen. You just have to prepare yourself, take the, take the right steps, invest and um, be willing to do the work and, and continue believing. I mean, it's nothing you don't know, but I think it's worth repeating because there is no secret formula out there. You just have to, um, you just have to follow the road. If this is your road, you have to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, since you mentioned that you have self-published your books and later on you had a major publisher offering you a deal, uh, many think that it's kind of, you know, you have to choose either one path or the other. But mm. I've, I've seen many successful authors who have been uh, using the hybrid approach and have done both. So can you tell us a bit about what did you self-publish and how... Uh, did the major publisher find you? Sure. Uh, yeah, that's that was a very, um, uh, very wonderful journey for us. So I first published five self-published books on the Kindle store. I had a motivation book, Eight Pillars of Motivation. It did, it did okay. It actually did better over the years. So that was an interesting lesson for me. The Writing Manifesto, um, my most successful, as in lucrative, book on the Kindle store was the Green Juicing Guide. So I have a niche business in green juicing and now smoothies. And uh, this was completely accidental. And I started blogging about it inside my personal development blog. It started getting tons of traffic from Google. I started a newsletter around it. And then I couldn't find products that were affiliate products that were good enough to promote. So I created one. And then I decided to turn it into a book for the Kindle store. And it was selling hundreds of copies a month at $9.99, $10 a copy. Wow. So that was my major income 2012 and going into 2013. And um, that was shocking to me, by the way, shocking, because this is really interesting, actually. You decide to kind of like, in your mind, plan your entrepreneurship journey a certain way. I'm going to write this and this, and then this is going to be my big hit. And then something completely different happens, mm-hmm. right? So I thought just the fact that that book was taking off was shocking because I didn't plan for it to take off like that. But it taught me so much about understanding what people want, understanding how my book connected, how it was solving a problem, how it was useful, how it was not for me. I didn't create it in a vacuum. I created something that was for people who needed it, who were telling me what they needed. I did a lot of research and listened to my readers, all of that process. So the book was was a lesson in itself. But um, that book is actually how the traditional publishers found us. So we published a book, we put it on the Kindle store and started getting really good reviews. And um, of course I have my blog, my business and all of that is going along. And then the publishers contacted us first in July of 2012, I believe. Yes. And we said, no, we didn't, we didn't have any interest to self-publish. I'm sorry to, to publish with mm-hmm. anyone in the traditional world because I was in that boat of, well, I'm a self-publisher, right? Yeah. And so if that's where you are, so I was very much limited in my thinking. And then they came back to us in November and, and they came and they persisted. And I'm so glad they did because uh, they wanted to buy the rights for the first book first, the, the juice book. And I didn't want to touch that. So we agreed together to write a brand new book. And this book was the Healthy Juicers Bible, was more comprehensive. It was more than just green juicing, and it, it fit the bill for what I wanted to do next. So I only had six weeks, six weeks to write this book, which has, it has now sold, I think, close to 30,000 copies, which wow. is pretty good. They're very happy with it. But um, I, we had to hustle. There was a deadline. Um, so, I mean, the whole process of working with a traditional publisher, I don't know if you want to get into that, the contract, the negotiation, um, etc. You ask how they found us. So to answer your question, they found me through the Green Juice Guide that was on the Kindle store. So that tells you that self-publishing opens doors of opportunity. The publishers are out there. They understand the industry is changing. They understand the revolution of self-publishing is now creating new opportunities for new authors, new talent, which is you, you the listener, right? You can be the next talent. And when you publish, 
in the Kindle store and you get natural readers and good reviews and etc. on your own, they will come finding your work and want to work with you. A lot of people tend to say no mm-hmm. because they don't see the opportunity. For us, we really thought about it and we thought, you know, for me, this wasn't about making money, although it's made some good money. This was about the credibility that still comes when you have a traditionally published book mm-hmm. in Barnes and Noble and Costco's and, and people go even in um, uh, some department stores. And so to me, even though it's a different niche than my other work, it's about juicing, but I teach people on entrepreneurship and business, it doesn't matter. They see that a publisher out there deemed you worthy to publish your work. And again, I mean that in the way that it adds credibility. Mm-hmm. You can get plenty of credibility going the self-publishing route. So I am not all for self-publishing or all for traditional. I think that you are unique. Your situation is unique. Uh, you have to know what's going to work for you. I would say that if you have not published, take the opportunity to publish using self-publishing. Because if you haven't published and you're holding out for a literary agent and then for a traditional publisher, you're wasting your time yeah. because your book needs to be out there today for readers. And you can always turn it around. And if you get a traditional publisher, they can take it off. They can republish it, what have you. That's no problem. But if you are waiting, I know friends that have waited for years, right? And and their books could be read. So if you are writing to be read as opposed to writing to be published by a fancy publisher, then you need to publish. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the only message. Absolutely. It's always so sad when I see people who who are waiting for years to get an agent and then for more years until the agent gets a publisher. And, right. uh, and many do the biggest mistake. They don't write anything in between. They're just waiting. And that's even sadder. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, since you, you tried both routes and you know like you know how both work can you compare those and you know maybe kind of uh, tell us what are the biggest differences among those two right um so i would say both of them have been successful for us right um i published uh, the healthy juicers bible uh, and then that one did so well And um, I will add this point that in case you have an opportunity to work with a traditional publisher, the reason we got the second deal with them was because we worked with them as equal business partners. Mm -hmm. And so this is the mistake I see where people, the first time authors, when you get a publishing deal, you decide you're the author, they're the marketer. And that's not how I approached it because I'm a businesswoman. And after we wrote the book and we turned it in, and it was theirs to go edit and, and do the finishing, I started getting busy on the marketing side to help them sell the book. Mm-hmm. And as you may know, traditional publishers take a huge chunk, especially if you're a first-time author, huge chunk out of your revenue. So for me, it didn't make financial sense to work so hard to sell my book, but it was something that I wanted to prove to them so that they see me as someone that takes opportunity that uses her platform online to promote her book Mm -hmm. and doesn't expect the publisher to do the work that impressed them so much. And we can get into the details of marketing your book if that's interesting, but that's a whole other, (laughs) right. So that's, that's, you know, I can give you a lot of tips on that, but that impressed them so much that they came to us and they said, would you like to write another book? So then we decided what, what is another topic that I feel competent in writing And because we had had some initial success, I felt more confident to negotiate even further on the second book. Mm -hmm. And, um, And the second book has done so much better, so much better. So, and that's the Healthy Smoothie Bible, which came out um, earlier April of this year, 2014. So I feel that uh, the difference, as you ask to answer your question, um, is that um, I think the distribution power of a traditional publishing house is just bigger. You just don't have that kind of mm-hmm. power unless you are a huge name online and um, and have had some real momentum. So, you know, um, the fact that your books can be uh, in the hands of people that would never otherwise reach you and then these people can come back. And if you have another business, let's say you have coaching or, or other things online that you sell, they can find you and they can become repeat customers. So it can be lead generation for you, not just 
making mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. And if you if you write a really really good book, then you can you can do quite well, right? So in the in the health business, which is a multi billion dollar business, juicing and smoothies, especially in the U.S., are just on the cusp of a revolution. So um, I know that people didn't buy my book because I am Farnoosh Brock. That's fine. I, you know, it's very humbling, but that's fine. They bought it because they're interested in juices and smoothies. And the publishers did a gorgeous job with the book. And I feel like, you know, I wrote a pretty good book. They didn't buy it for my name. Mm-hmm. Fiction is different. It's a completely different world. And I do want to recommend my friend Joanna Penn. She is um, uh, she's British. She is, she's She's going to be the next Stephen King. She writes horror fiction, but she also talks about writing fiction. So I think you should check out her podcast because she yes. can give you lots of tips on that. She's just amazing. But I think... You know, the, the, the self-publishing gave us the opportunity. It opened the door. I would go back and self-publish in a heartbeat. In fact, we turned down a third deal with our publishers. It was really hard because I love these guys, loved working with them, and I was going to write my, my next book, a business book. And I decided uh, I'm, this is not the right time for me to write this book. I need to focus on some other things. And, um, and I may very well self-publish again. So... For every book, it's different. Mm-hmm. For every person, it's different. And the only absolute rule, I would say, is that if you are not, just some, what I said earlier, if you are not publishing and you're waiting for a traditional publisher to come around, you are wasting your time. You can have the both both of both worlds, but the first one that you have more or absolute control over is the Kindle door, the mm-hmm. self-publishing door. So if you don't have the an agent right now working to get you a publishing deal or you don't have a publisher coming knocking on your door, stop waiting. And if you have a book, get it out there and do the best you can to market it. And then if that's, if the traditional publishing route is so important to you, then you can pursue that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I interviewed Joanna Pan already, so I will. Oh, you did. Yeah, so I'll put the link with her interview in the show notes as well, so they can check it out. And uh, it's it's been a very valuable um, interview, and she shared lots of tips. She's so, wonderful. Yes, yes, she is. I I agree completely with you. So since you raised this issue, can you maybe tell us like the main things you did with the marketing that helped you most with selling the book? Right. So, um, and it got better as we learned. So the first book, we did some things. The second book, we did some things, uh, additional things. Uh, The first book, we, uh, both books, we decided to do a book trailer. So this is just a short video. You've seen them Mm -hmm. and you've probably seen some very fancy professional ones. We uh, didn't go to a studio or pay a lot of money, but we do have lighting and video equipment. So uh, my husband um, is sort of, you know, the the technical uh, genius here at Prolific Living. So we decided to do a trailer uh, to show myself, to show uh, juicing, to show it as a as a thing to, you know, start developing in your life, etc. And we put that up on a page and then we linked to all the places the book was selling, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, the Skyhorse Publishing, their website, that's my publisher, and and a bunch of other places. And so that was the main page. So we sent this to them and uh, for the first book, they sent it to their entire company. They said, look at what this author has done. Nobody has done this before. And they're a major publishing, you know, they have tons of writers. And so that was the the first thing that really impressed them. I think uh, uh, the work I did with the publicist, so you get assigned a publicist. So um, you could just get on the phone and say, okay, what are you going to do for me? I decided to say, look, we need to put together a marketing campaign. Here's what we're going to do. What do you think? So that was my general approach. And um, one thing I did is um, she offered me free copies. I think Mm -hmm. it was... 30, 60 copies that she was willing to send out to people in the U.S. only, so there was some restriction, or digital copies to other people if they're willing to do something, either say something on their blog, on social media, on a podcast, interview me, what have you. And I started to tap into my network. So this took a few hours. And I I went to, I, I, I sent individual personal emails, not a mass email, to people that I have a relationship with saying, this is my book, is coming out. 
I know that, uh, you know, you have a podcast, it can be relevant in this way. Would you like to get a free copy? And uh, these are the things you can do in return. And if you like it, you can leave us an Amazon review. So you have to be very careful not to solicit reviews, but um, asking for an honest review, if they like the book, is perfectly fine. And the right way to do it, which is what I do, because I do a lot of Amazon reviews myself, if you receive a free copy, put a little disclaimer on your review. Mm-hmm. Look, I got a free copy, but this is my honest review here. So people know because it's not going to show up as a verified purchase. Just a side note. But anyway, I went to my network. I asked them. They said yes. And um, I sent out, um, she sent out the books and, and I followed up. And every time I was getting some media coverage. So the media coverage was coming in. For example, Barnes & Noble had us um, make smoothies actually three times so far. We've been over there. We take our books because they don't carry it. So they let me sell their, sell my books there and, and I use their Vitamix machine. And it's been really a good partnership. And so at first they came to me. I arranged that. But then there were things the publicist was doing, like the Barnes & Noble um, book signing. And so she would come to me and then I would take it from there. True partnership. True mm-hmm. partnership. You are not asking your publicist. I mean, you, you, of course, you get her guidance. You know, they tell you what they're willing to do and not to do. But then you take the reins and you go with it and you use every resource you have, even if you have a job. And I understand uh, some of you may have a full-time job and you're doing your writing on the side. You still have friends. You still have family. You still have people that would love to read your book. Well, you could tap into them. You don't have to have this fancy website. So don't come up with excuses. You can do what I did. I was just able to do it on a bigger scale because I had been building my business for a little while. Yeah, exactly. And I think that uh, also the key for success is that you've been uh, looking for non-standard solutions and you had kind of creative ideas on yes. how to link them to the book. Yes. So it's it's not like copying what others have done and you can... Totally <laughs> creative. Totally. The other thing I did for the second book, which was successful, just, you know, the last marketing bit, is that I put together a media kit. So I had been seeing these media kits going around the internet and people would do it just for their brands. But I decided to do a media kit for the book. And basically it was a bunch of photos that I had taken for the book that I gave them rights to use. It was written uh, email templates, Facebook templates, Google Plus templates, Twitter templates. So I was making it super easy for the mm-hmm. people who were uh, interested in promoting the book to just go through my media kit copy and paste and use that to promote. And that was really helpful. And that's something that, uh, you know, I'm willing to share that Google Doc with you if that's interesting for people to see. You can do that. You can apply that to any book, any genre. Wow, that would be absolutely great. Wonderful. I would really appreciate that. Yes. My pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, so the maybe like um, a question which bothers me a bit, and and since I'm I'm seeing this with you and you have quite success with that, maybe you can kind of explain how you did that. Uh, I see that you have uh, quite. Um, different products and courses uh, different meaning for different audiences you have your uh, yoga thing you have the health related uh, books you have uh, business books and you have your uh, self-development blog and uh, I presume that the audiences are not identical for all those so how do you kind of balance things out and how do you manage to engage all these different audiences and be successful in all these different areas Right. Um, yes, I get asked this question a lot, as you can imagine. How, how do you dare do all these things? You're supposed to focus on one. And it is wonderful to focus on one thing because it's going to grow exponentially. So if, and in fact, this is what I recommend to my clients and students who are starting out their entrepreneurship journey. They've never done anything. I would say one thing only. You're only allowed one thing because you're starting. You need to start with one thing. You need to learn. You need to master it. You need to make some money so you have the confidence that you can make money. And uh, so if you're writing your first book, that's the only thing you need to focus on. But why hold ourselves to one thing, right? Especially if you have multiple passions. Now, what you meant, what you um, described may seem like it's completely different. And I used to see it as different, but it's all prolific living, which is to me, smart habits for rich living. And rich doesn't mean just financially rich. It means just just 
spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. Mm -hmm. So the people who come to my Smart Exit Blueprint course to find an exit from their corporate jobs, they end up buying my smoothie and juice books because they realize that if they are healthier, they have more energy and they can focus better and they can think better and they can be more brilliant as they as they figure out their exit plans. And it's true, I believe if you're not healthy, you need to get healthy first before you figure out your career stuff. So to me, they're all connected. Mm-hmm. But you're right. In general, the avatar of a person who comes to buy my juice book is not the same as the avatar of the person who, say, goes and buys, I have a course on getting promoted at a corporate job, right? Mm-hmm. That was another passion. And so they are different. But I think what has helped me is that I was determined to explore different niches. I was willing to go slower, although I struggle with this one. I was willing to go slower because I'm carrying so many different things rather than just one thing and running with it. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to do that, you want to just grow in a certain niche, then then do that. That's fine. But for me, I didn't want to compromise because opportunities came to us. I didn't want to turn them down. The juicing was completely organic. I didn't set out to say, I'm going to write a juicing book. It was all organic, all by that first blog post. And I decided to see the opportunity and to seize it. You may decide to say, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. So, I mean, there is no generic advice. You know, all my advice to my to my clients is very much tailor-made. Uh, I need to know who you are, what you want to do, what is your goal, how do you want to build your business, what is your brand, what is what is the end goal to give you advice. For me, it works because I would have gotten so bored just having one thing. Mm-hmm. I know myself so well. I know that I want to write books. And, and I told you, I'm thinking about writing fiction, which, yeah. first of all, I have no business writing fiction. Okay, I never took a literature course in college. And second of all, I have no idea how, but Joanna says we can learn. And um, I think it's you, you owe it to yourself to go into whatever your heart takes you. And, and of course, you have to be business smart too. If there are too many things, right? So at the beginning, let's say you focus on one thing, you write a book, you make some money, but now you want to go into something completely different. You have to realize you are going to have to double your efforts because you have to still market your book over here and you have to do this other thing. So you have to be smart in understanding that. And sometimes I have to focus more on one thing. For example, all through the summer, I was focusing on my courses, my Smart Exit Blueprint course and my um, corporate course because I wanted to uh, make sure they're set up properly, make sure I'm talking to the right people. So I decided to turn down the book deal right? Because it would have taken me in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about making decisions, being true to yourself, understanding what is your vision for your future, and always starting with one thing. Starting out one thing. I totally recommend that. I think that applies to everyone. But beyond that, it's your journey. And if you have trouble figuring it out, get some help. Work with a coach. Get yourself a mentor. Get into a mastermind. You don't have to figure it out all on your own. Mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I, I do think that if someone is unhappy where he is, uh, then, you know, he should uh, look for ways to get out of that place and take action once he realizes what he wants, take action and try to move forward to where he's headed for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I understand that it takes courage and I understand that it has a component of risk involved and uh, many, many other things. But uh, then uh, by not doing that, you risk of staying in that unhappy place until the end of your life, which yes. is which is risky too. <laughs> so. it's, it's the biggest risk. It's the, I, I don't think you can afford to take that risk. And the sooner you start, there's one thing I have uh, on my logo for my Smart Exit Blueprint. A year from now, you will wish you had started today. Absolutely. And that applies to you. If you're going to write your book, write the first chapter, write the first page. You have to start now and just see where it goes because it's a long road. And if you keep delaying, 
and waiting until you're ready. You're never ready ever. So just start now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I truly believe in taking actions and doing things you have decided to do because otherwise, you know, life happens. Uh, there are always different things which will get into your way. And there are many, many excuses, which if you want, you will kind of use later on and things won't happen. So um, yes, I, I think that your approach is the best. And uh, I can't focus on one thing either. So it, it has been quite a big challenge to kind of uh, for this beginning stage to concentrate mm -hmm. on one thing only because I, I, I had these tendencies of kind of, you know, thinking of additional projects and many different things things as well and uh, I was lucky enough to have people around me who were reminding me that I committed to <laughs> dedicate myself only on one project for at least for this stage so yes it's it's difficult and it's paying off because your podcast is doing great so you've really focused on it yeah Yeah, I focused on it since I launched it and I'm very happy with the results and mm -hmm. uh, I'm very happy to have uh, such an amazing guest as you are and many oh, others you. have been. So it's, uh, yes, it, it is. I mean, in the very beginning, it was a bit uh, tough in a sense that when I was approaching guests, I never knew what they would say because they never heard about me. And now it's much easier because uh, most of them actually know who I am, which is quite amazing and, and very, uh, you know, unexpected. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. You know, things can happen. Whatever you focus on grows. I read that somewhere. And so we are not saying go focus on 10 projects. I really want to be clear that we are saying focus on one thing, but don't give up all these other dreams and work them in at some point later. And uh, you will be able to, to do more than one thing. You don't have to just focus on one thing for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely because uh, me too, like you can't really, you know, uh, not be bored by doing the same thing. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, and as a last thing, uh, since I'm, uh, I truly believe that we should not give unrealistic expectations to people so they don't get disappointed. Uh, if someone starts something, um, a project apart from a side hustle, let's say, and uh, what kind of expectations he should have? Like, what is the minimum time frame in case he takes the time and yeah, makes the effort and makes what is required from him and commits to that project uh, you know what is the time frame when he will start seeing results it varies I, i'm not trying to be clever but it varies from person to person i think that knowing before you start really get to know yourself well how do you work um do you need to work alone do you need to work in a coffee shop do you need to work on weekends do you need to be away from your family do you need to be with your family and set up your environment in a way that in that 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 makes you your most productive and your most creative so for me There is a combination of alone time. I do work well on airplanes and traveling. Um, I work well also in my office at home. I work well when I'm healthy, when I'm taking care of myself, when I'm doing yoga every day. That's for me. That works for me. And I work the worst when I am attending a conference. I get nothing done. I'm just focused on, on social time and then I'm exhausted. So, so knowing those things about yourself, you need to set up your side hustle and then Uh, realize that deadlines actually are great motivators. There are self-imposed deadlines and then there are deadlines that you that others impose on you. So if you have trouble completing things, which is very, very common because there is so much self-doubt that just clouds your judgment and it, it, it just it has nothing to do with your talent. You just decide, well, I'm not good enough to write this book. I'm not good enough to publish it. Look at, look at J.K. Rowling, whom I adore, by the way. I adore her. But it is not fair to you to compare yourself and then you kill all your chances. And it doesn't matter how talented you are, you're not going to complete. So you need to set yourself up for completion. I feel deadlines are very useful. So the time, how long it takes you, it depends on you. I wrote the first book in six weeks. The, 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 the book before that, the, the Juice Guide, I wrote it in two weeks while in New Zealand in a little house. Mm -hmm. And so time, you know, time is irrelevant. I think it's all about setting these goals for yourself and deciding when things get done. 
Just as you go to the dentist when the, you know your appointment comes up, you turn in your work to your boss when he says, why can't you write that book? Like, why? And so one other useful thing, get an accountability partner or a yeah. friend that will, not a friend that will just say, good job, good job. A friend that will say, where is chapter three? You said it was going to be here by Tuesday. That kind of a friend. And there is a lot of support groups out there. If you're not part of a writing support group online, actually one of my really good friends, Kathy Pressland, she yes. has some great courses. On, if you haven't talked to her, you should. She has I, some I great scheduled courses. an interview with you her. You did? Already. Okay, <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, Kathy's awesome. And she is um, she's really good at the, the you know talking, your, talking about encouragement. But um, writing daily is very important also. So get the accountability partner. That's really a big deal. Somebody else that you can be accountable to and set a deadline, right? I mean, you can write a novel in six weeks. You can write it in less time. It's, you know, NaNoWriMo is going on right now, National November Writing Month. People write 50,000 words in one month. In November 2013, I wrote 100,000 words. I didn't use all of them. A lot of it was crap, but I wrote them. Yeah. And so, and I'm not a superwoman. I'm perfectly normal, just like you. So I think it's really, really important to decide, decide what's going to happen for you. Decide you're going to write your book this year or next year. And then time will be irrelevant because you will make the time. You will make it by prioritizing your life and what's important and what's not important. And um, I had one more thought and it escaped me and I hope it comes back. Oh, yes. Daily writing. Daily writing is so important. Yeah. So um, I do a lot of writing for my blogs, my newsletters, what have you. But I also do daily writing. And I got this um, uh, from Ju- Julia Cameron. She wrote The Artist's Way. And she talks about the morning pages. Mm-hmm. Now, mine may not happen until midnight sometimes. But mm-hmm. they happen during the day. And I use 750words.com. And I write, this is free flow of consciousness. And I find this writing to be therapeutic. It taps into your creativity. And there's a lot of rules around it. You need to go read how to do the morning pages. But I think um, you could even use it to help you write your novel or to just get yourself out of your self-doubt and, and resolve your blocks. So writing daily. I mean, if you're a writer, you need to be writing every single day. And if you do that, you are a writer. So if you make that the non-negotiable in your life, that is a great first step. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Farnoosh, it, it's been an amazing interview and we found out so many important and good things uh, about how you've done things and how we can also kind of, you know, try um, doing the same and uh it's it's really inspiring. Your story has inspired me actually in the very beginning. And uh, looking at people like you, I think it's easier making the first steps towards the changes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I look at myself and I think, look, I was a corporate junkie. And if I've done this, you have you can totally do this. But thank you, Ani. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I hope your listeners take something away and uh, keep writing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. It seems like that's it. Today, I took the time and made a very detailed show notes, which you can go and see at www.annialexander.com slash 51. Uh, go and check out the show notes. There are plenty of useful links in there. Uh, I've covered most of the things Farnoosh spoke about and I hope that it will be useful. Well, take care, keep on writing and have a very productive and creative day. <laughs>